you guys have ever found yourself in a place where you did not deserve to be? You didn't earn it? Um, that, this was me on uh, the way back from our honeymoon. My wife and I, we went to uh, Florida on our honeymoon. And then when we were on our way back, uh, we were flying into Chicago. And I hate the Chicago airport, okay? I've never been there and not been delayed. But uh, if you know anything about Chicago airport, they kind of built it right by, you know, this lake. And so there's storms popping up all the time. So we're approaching the Chicago airport and uh, this storm, it pops up and we just start circling. Okay. And we start circling. And I got to tell you, I'm not good with motion sickness. All right. So it wasn't going well for me at this time. Like I didn't take Dramamine. I think it was essential oils were coming on the scene. Someone's like, hey, put this peppermint behind your ear. You'll be good. And I'm telling you, I was not good. And so I start, it's a good thing they got those bags. If you've ever looked at those bags where, and it's like, oh, this is if you get sick. And you're like, people don't use that. I used it, okay? I felt so sorry for the guy. Thank goodness it was pre-COVID that was sitting next to me. And you, like, I was trying to throw up so quiet. And that's really, really hard to do. <laughs> and so I'm into this bag. And it, it, I won't give you an impersonation, but it was not good. And so, I mean, we're, this is exactly what you want to happen on your honeymoon, okay? We're, uh, we're newlyweds, and my wife gets to see me at my worst, and I would not suggest an Uncrustable before you get on a plane, um, and that's a child food for a reason, but uh, it didn't feel very good, and so the flight attendants are like, we got this guy, he ain't gonna make it, all right, he, he, he's got problems right now, and so we actually divert, we land in uh, some other airport, and they're like, hey, sir, actually, you're, you and your wife, you can move up to first class, and so, man, we got upgraded right there, didn't pay for it. Didn't spend the $500 to be first class, but we got upgraded to first class. And I don't know if you've ever flown first class before. Totally worth it, all right? It was amazing. Uh, I wish I didn't have to throw up to get there, but it was awesome. You got this extra leg room. Your seat's more comfortable. Then they started, like, the other flight attendant didn't know I was up there for, like, for what reason. So they're being all nice to you and stuff. So it was awesome, but did not deserve to be there in first class. And so hold on to that story because it's going to get important as we continue to talk tonight. But Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 is uh, if we were driving, my wife is from, uh, has some family in Iowa, and up where she's from in Iowa, it's some of the richest, like, farmland, like, for farming in the world, okay? And this is some of, like, the richest scripture, all right? It's all good, right? But this is some of the richest scripture that you will find, and it, it, it's so good. But in Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, really what we have going on here is uh, Paul, who is writing to the church in Ephesus, is he's really trying to show them, hey, this is how good grace is. This is how good the goodwill of God is. And this is what he's writing to them about. And so I want to read to you Ephesians 1 through 5, uh, or Ephesians 2, 1 through 5 right now. And it says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air and the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us used to live among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Now in verse 4 and 5, Paul kind of flips the script, if you will. But he says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And I don't know if you all know anything about jewelry, right? If you know anything about diamonds. Um, I, I really don't. This is a $10 ring from Amazon because I lost my wedding ring. I don't know where it is. So just be on the lookout. It's out there somewhere. Um, but if, if you have a diamond 
And you know, you know why, like in the jewelry store, they have it up next to like a dark cloth? Is because against a dark cloth, a diamond is going to shine like brighter. That, that like comparison, the contrast between the two, that, bright, that diamond is going to like sparkle in its best form. And so what really Paul is doing here is he's laying the foundation of like, hey, the darkness, right? This is your sin compared to the beauty of this grace. So he puts this backdrop in place, you know, because in verse 1 of Ephesians uh, 2, it says, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. But all the way when we get to verse 10, what Paul says is, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. How do you get from, hey, you were dead to your God's handiwork? You were dead to God's handiwork. It's only through grace. And this is the picture that Paul's trying to depict right here. And so as we look at verse one, there's something we need to know. And it's this, is you are either spiritually dead or you're spiritually alive. I think we live in an age of ambiguity where it's like, you can be, you know, you kind of like just do your faith thing, like whatever works for you. But it's like, no, Paul's very clear. You are either spiritually dead or you are spiritually alive. There is no in between. What's he say in verse two? He says, in which you used to live, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of air, the spirit who has now worked and those who are disobedient. I said this a few weeks ago during the semester, and it's this, is like one of the most effective things Satan can do is to convince people he's not real. There's an enemy that came to steal, to kill, and destroy. Now, some people, like when we're in our disobedience, when we were in our sin, we, some people knowingly, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not in the will of God. I, I'm not doing that. And some people unknowingly are following the ways of Satan, the ways of the evil one. And that's just the reality of the situation. We're either dead or alive. We're either following God or not following after him. In verse three, he said, all of us used to live among them at one time. Paul is writing to a group of people who put their faith in Jesus. And he's saying, hey, you used to be like that. He said, hey, all of us used to live among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh. And following its desires and thoughts, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. So what we've in, what, we, what, what we've earned, what we deserve is the wrath of God. That's what we've earned. However, God came to do something. And I think about it like this, like gratifying the cravings of our flesh. That left to our own sinful devices, like we will destroy ourselves. And I think about this as like the Krispy Kreme principle. Okay, it, you eat that first Krispy Kreme, you're like, okay, maybe two. Throw in a chocolate milk and you're doing good. But if you continue to just, hey, I'm going to just keep acting on that desire. And all I'm eating is in Krispy Kreme. And over time, that's all I'm eating, like, that's my diet. Eventually, you're going to die, okay? You're going to have a heart attack. Something's bad going to happen to you. You're going to have a real bad acne breakout because you're eating way too much sugar. Okay, that's what's going to happen. Left up to our own desire. Sin does the same thing. Hey, like we can acknowledge that sometimes at the start, like sin can feel right. It can feel like good, like this, this isn't bad, right? But when we do what is opposite of God's command and we let go to our own flesh, it's going to kill us. It's going to destroy us, spiritually speaking, sometimes physically speaking. And that's how serious it is what we're talking about. But that's where, you know, verse 4 and 5 come into play. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, 
made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. If you've been around a church for a while, you hear grace a lot. But what is grace? Grace is the favor of God. Grace is the favor of God. It's the loving kindness. It's the goodwill of God. It's God exerting his holy influence upon our souls. Grace is something we do not deserve. It's something that we have not earned, but God freely gave it to us through Jesus. Well, they got something going on over there. Someone else just hit a home run. There we go. But uh, that's something that, that God freely gave to us. And grace is like, that's the goodwill of God. Paul's comparing and contrasting here, and he's saying, hey, as dark and as bleak and as hopeless sin is, man, grace is that much better. That gift of God is that much better. In verse 6 and 7, this kind of goes back to the plain story a little bit. It says, and God raises us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to Christ Jesus. Man, how, how cool is it that like God, like why do we belong in heaven? And God raises us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms. In the same way that I had no business being in first class, we have no business being in heaven, like with God. God is holy. God is good. God is righteous. And if you think about the darkest moments of your life when you felt the furthest from God, when you felt that you failed the most, that you failed so much that you can't be forgiven, like you still belong in heaven. Yeah, not through your own works, not through anything you've done. We still have a place in heaven because God has lavished, right? We heard that in Ephesians chapter one. He has lavished his grace upon us. Like that's, that's, that's why we're in that place. But how cool is that? You know, I've, I've been thinking about this lately and I think sometimes we think of heaven as like, man, we're just gonna sit on a cloud all day and play a harp, all right? And you're gonna be dressed in white and that sounds real boring. But like, you think heaven's gonna be like, think of the best things that exist in this world. And that's just a shadow of the things to come. A place where there's no weeping, no hurting, no pain. If you think you have meaning and purpose here, to have the meaning and purpose when you're united with God for all of eternity, like we have no reason to be there. But yet God chose for us to send his son for us so that we could be there. In verses eight through 10, Paul kind of continues on. He really hammers home the point here. He says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. You know, you, you might hear it like this is that, you know, good works like that's not going to get you into heaven. How good is good enough? If it was based on like, hey, you just, you know, if you can be good enough, you're going to be okay. Man, like I think it's easy to like, we can understand that. And it's like, yes, we've heard that. If you've been in church, you've heard that before. But do we really like believe, like grace is not something that we can earn. We cannot earn that. It is only by the gift of God. In, in, in verse 10, he says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. And so I would say it like this, that works are not the root of our salvation. They're the fruit of our salvation. So the works in our life, the good works that we do are not the root of our salvation. They're the fruit of our salvation. Works aren't going to save you, but works are a product. If you have a life and you say, I'm a believer, 
but yet you're not producing any good works, I would ask you, are you really taking your faith seriously? Are you really trying to follow Jesus in every part of your life? Have you really made Jesus the Lord of your life? Because as you do that, you will see the works that he has for you. You will produce fruit in your life. And I think that's like the depiction, right? We were dead. You can't be any deader than dead. But then it's like, hold up, we're God's handiwork. And he's produced, like he pre-planned the works and the purposes he has for each one of you. And I don't know about you, but like, that should excite you. Do you know how many people in our world are walking around? I, like some people, as we would define by the world standards, hey, that person's a success. They're making it. They're doing it. Like they've accomplished, you know, nothing's impossible, right? They're doing it. But like on the inside, they, they know that they haven't, they're not like fulfilling any type of ultimate purpose in their life. You know how awesome it is that you can walk around with being on purpose, knowing that God has planned something for you, and that you get to, by your faithfulness, walk in those plans that he has for you. That's like a beautiful thing that you don't have to go around in life and wondering like, oh, what am I supposed to do? I don't know what the purpose is, what the point is. Like God has something for you. He has work for you to do. And the only reason we can partake in those works that he's planned ahead of time for us is because of his grace. And if you looked around, like at all these people, like this kind of the cool part of getting stand here is I get to look out and I get to see all of you. And I know many of you and, and I know what you're doing and I know what you're up to. And I know the fruit that you're producing in your life. And I know I get to see like a, a front row seat to like the works that God has prepared for you. That's pretty awesome and pretty amazing. To know that each one of us, different skills, different talents, different abilities, but coming together and serving God and serving his kingdom, that's like why the church exists. And that's a pretty beautiful thing. And it's all because of the goodwill of God. It's all because of his grace. And I would ask you, if you've never stepped into that before, if you're like, man, I don't know, mate, like, am I spiritually dead? Have I ever accepted that gift of, of God? Do you know what you need to do? You need to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And what that means is that you are admitting, to make someone a Lord, right, in your life, it's an admittance that you have something wrong. Like a Lord's only a Lord if they can help you out with something, if they have some sort of authority. You need to be forgiven of your sin. And the second thing is, is you need to then, in humility, submit to the authority of God in your life. Scripture tells us that everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. What that looks like? is that you're, you're submitting yourself to God's authority, making him the Lord of your life. And so my challenge to you would be, if you've never done that before, why would you not do that today? Why would you not, not do that tonight? Like if God created you and he has works prepared for you, man, don't you want to walk in that? And then if you're a believer tonight, it's easy to like, I got grace. I understand that. But are you living in grace? Are you self-deprecating behavior where you think, man, I'm, I'm so bad. There's nothing I can ever do. I can't do this. I can't do that. God doesn't have anything prepared for me or planned for me. Like God has works prepared for you, not because of who you are, but because of how good he is. So you should have a confidence. And the second thing it should prompt us to do is to live in thankfulness, never arrogance, right? Not looking at other people with judgment, but looking at them with, hey, I was dead just like you one time too. And I've got a hope that I need to share with you. It should take us on mission, that we should go outside of the walls of the church and be on mission in our lives. 
And I think finally my last, my last thing that I would encourage you to do is would you just spend some time reading that? Like I think I kind of glossed over how beautiful this like section of scripture is until I could sit down to really study it and take some time. So my, my challenge to you would be to do that. And here in a minute, uh, Jake and Holly are going to come up and, and, and sing one more song. And we're talking about giftings. Like I would sing the song for you, but I can't. I don't have that ability, that talent. I wish I did. But I, I just want to take a moment to reflect on the grace of God. And I just want to encourage you, if you're here tonight, you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. I told you that bee's back. I told you it's floating around right here. That's a wasp, actually, this time. We need to pray and get out of here. <laughs> but if you've never made that decision, I want to encourage you. We'll be at Next Steps right after we're done here. Would you come and talk to us? And we would love to walk you through the gospel and what that looks like. Let's pray real quick. God, um, we thank you for um, your word. We thank you that uh, you allow us to gather on a hot, humid night. Like, But we're just thankful it's not raining, that we can come together. We can worship you, and we can seek after you. And we can do that freely. Like, we don't have to be fearful to do that where we live, but we can come to you. And I just pray, if there's anyone here who's never accepted you as their Savior, who's never accepted that gift, I pray that tonight that they would step into that and you would speak to their heart. God, it's in your name we pray. Amen.